Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. And read through some scripture and... Um, and allow the Lord to work in your heart today. Here's the, the first thing that immediately stood out to me, um, and, and we'll just go through this two kind of phrases or whatever. The first one is the marriage relationship. Um, and there's a lot that goes into, come on, how many of you are married in the room? There's a lot. Some of you are, <laughs> it's like, you better raise your hand. If your wife's sitting next to you, you better be like, mm-hmm, yep. Um, there's a lot that goes into the, the marriage relationship. There's a lot of ups and downs and a lot of, you know, um, I don't know if you have been married. I, I hear, I've heard people say sometimes, they'll say, well, we just never had an argument. I'm like, you've been married for 10 minutes. Like, give it, come on, like, wait another week, <laughs> you know, and you're going to have some kind of argument. You know, we go into it and, and we're thinking, like, everything's just going to be wonderful. And then you start, you know, realizing that you're different from that person. And you've got to work through some of those things. But uh, if you're married, what I want you to understand is, is you, the marriage relationship has to be second only to your relationship with the Lord. I think that culturally, um, and maybe this has been a struggle for you. Maybe it was in the past. Maybe you're in it right now. Um, I don't know. But I think sometimes culturally, um, we don't have the marriage relationship in the right priority. And a lot of our struggles and a lot of our issues and a lot of our problems and, you know, whatever word you want to put on it, a lot of it comes back to, well, you know, he puts his work before me and works all the time and we never have a relationship and we don't go on a date night and we don't do anything like that and so there's animosity. Or, um, you know, well, the kids always come before me and it's all about the kids and every time I come home, it's all about the kids and it's about the kids this and we're going here for the kids this and we never have any time together or whatever and you fill in the blank with whatever it is but here's, here's the reality in both of those situations and probably in whatever situation you got in your mind right now is your marriage is not second only to God. Sometimes it's easy for it to slip down to third, fourth, fifth and now we're, now we're doing all of these things which might be good things but we're having issues and we're struggling with one another because we have not kept our priorities right. We have not kept things in the right priority. I mentioned this um, at a lot of weddings that I do because I love this statement. I heard this years ago and it stuck with me. So you have a 100% chance of success in marriage if you do it God's way. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. 100%. If you do it God's way, where the problems come in is when we start doing it our way. We start deviating from what God's way is. Now, I'm not saying if you do it God's way, we're never going to have a problem. We're never going to have an argument. We're never going to run. You know, it's like we're never going to have issues come up. That's not the case. There will still be issues that come up, but you'll be able to work through them because your marriage is in the right priority and you're doing it God's way. There's one, there's a almost an entire chapter. It's this whole passage. You're all familiar with Ephesians 5, I'm sure, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But at the very end of that, where there's this instruction for husbands and wives and how the marriage relationship works, the very end of that, there's one verse that, that always comes to my mind when I think about 
uh, anything to do with marriage, and it's verse 33. It says, Nevertheless, as for you individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. And I really, I really believe, I really believe that a lot of, of marriage issues and problems and struggles and things like that, I think a lot of them could be diffused and resolved just by applying this one verse. How do we love and respect one another? How do we, and you can listen to marriage, te- there's a lot of great marriage teaching out there and I would encourage you to get a hold of some great marriage teaching. And they would teach you that the number one need of a man is respect and the number one need of a woman is security and that is in the Bible. The reason you feel that is because you were created that way. And the reason the Bible says this is what you need to do is because you were created that way. And when we're doing it God's way, there's love, there's respect. There's even a book out that's been out for a long time. It's called Love and Respect. And I would encourage you to get it and read it because it's all about this principle in the Bible. And how we can love and respect one another and be happily married. Not that there's not going to be any issues at all, but that we're doing it God's way. And when we do it God's way, we can work through anything because we're doing it God's way. Do you believe that? Um, one thing that, as I was watching this, one thing that Mossy said in the story was uh, how the Lord listens to praying wives. And I immediately, as soon as I heard that, there was a verse that I'll read to you in just a second. But um, I just want to take a moment and encourage, encourage you. I want to encourage you in your marriage. I want to encourage you um, if you're a wife or if you're a husband. It really it doesn't matter either way. I want to take a moment and encourage you. But there is one verse specific to wives. It's in 1 Peter, um, and it's chapter 3, verse 1. It says, In the same way, you wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won over without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your pure and respectful behavior. And a lot of times, here's, here's the problem. A lot of times we read Ephesians 5, we read 1 Peter 3, and there's like, this bad, there's like this bad taste in your mouth. Anybody ever, it's like, you know, you get to that part in your Bible reading plan, and you're like, mm, you know, I don't really want to apply that. I don't really want to do that. Do you know what, do you know what I, this verse actually encourages me. Because I believe that there, there is actually a way that you can behave and I would even say, a, like, your prayers for your husband, or we could turn it around, but in this in- instance, it's talking to wives. For your husband, that maybe you're serving the Lord and you wish your husband would be more intentional. You wish your husband would be more of a spiritual leader. You wish that your husband would, like, come to church with you. You wish that your husband would be more about the things that you know your family needs to be about. And what the Word of God says is that you can actually pray, imagine that, and live it out and act a certain way around them, and they can be won over by that. That they can get a hold of God, or God can get a hold of them, by the way that you are living it out around them. That you are behaving a certain way, you are treating them a certain way, you are still honoring them, you are still loving them, you know, and and put it, you know, loving and respecting as the marriage relationship goes, on both parts, it really does make a bigger difference. And here's what I have discovered. We've been married for almost 17 years. And here's what I have found out. God can change somebody 
way better than I can. God can change. Listen, it's like in our relationship, God can change me way better than Amanda can. And, and God can change her way better than I can. See, here, a lot of us go into the marriage relationship thinking how we're going to fix one another. Because I've got it figured out and they need to be fixed. They need to be adjusted. They need to be like, oh, you know, they've got their little quirky things or whatever, but we'll work that out. You know, we'll get them fixed whenever we get married. And we start trying to fix one another and it creates problems and issues and animosity and headbutting and like all of these things that are going on. And what I think the Bible would teach us is no, live it out around them and pray for them. Live it out around them. And pray for them. In fact, I put it that way. To pray for your spouse. Live for the Lord around your spouse. And listen to this. Trust the Lord with your spouse. Trust the Lord with your spouse. You know, in life, a lot of times we try to take things into our own hands because we don't want to trust God. God's taking too long. I don't know if God's going to do it. Listen to this. I don't know if God's going to do it the way that I want him to do it. You know, and here's what I have found out in, in our relationship. A lot of times, if you're praying for the other person, God will start working things out in you. You thought you were praying because they needed to be fixed, and God's like, well, maybe we need to work on you. I love that about your story where you said there was that period of time where it was like, the Lord said, no, we need to work on me and you. Me and you. you like, you can't, you can't really have a successful, thriving marriage if your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. And so some of us just need to take the time to, to work on ourselves and our relationship with God. God desires for your marriage to thrive and to honor Him. And one thing, one final thing, I'll say this on uh, the marriage relationship, really any relationship. Um, but one thing that's so important regarding especially the marriage relationship is, is this word that they're going to put on the screen. This is one of the most important things that you can learn. Has anybody ever needed forgiveness from somebody? You ever said something, done something, acted a certain way, behaved a certain way, and you need forgiveness? Anybody ever needed forgiveness from God? Here's, here's the reality. In your marriage relationship and in any, we can broaden this, any relationship that you have in your life, you will have to learn how to forgive. You were going to have to learn how to forgive because you are going to do things that you're going to need forgiveness for and people are going to do things to you that you're going to have to learn how to forgive them for if you want to live free and you want to be able to experience life the way that God intends for you to experience it. Colossians 3, 12 and 13, look at these verses. So as, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That would change a lot right there. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. When I read verses like this, or you look at the teaching of Jesus, where he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Um, anytime, I, anytime I read anything like this or see anything like this, I always think to myself, these verses actually imply that I'm going to have to do this. 
it implies that I'm actually going to have to put on compassion. I'm actually going to have to put on humility. I'm actually going to have to learn how to forgive. It's going to happen in your life. You're going to have to learn how to forgive people. And there are so many believers, so many believers that are not experiencing everything God has for you. And it is holding you back because you are holding on to unforgiveness. And for some of us, it's turned into bitterness inside of our hearts. And it's affecting, and you know this, if you were to stop and think about it, it's affecting your relationship with the Lord. Because you got unforgiveness in your heart. And I, I know, and I know we've talked about this even here recently, I brought this up. But man, I'm telling you, the Lord keeps bringing me back to this over and over and over again for a reason. We have to learn as followers of Jesus, we have to become people who just forgive. And Jesus set a great example. I mean, even the moment he was on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. Right in the middle of what they were doing to him, he is forgiving them. In the middle of it. You're going to have to learn the power and the freedom that comes from you forgiving people in your life people are going to hurt you people are going to mess up people are going to sin against you and we have to learn as a follower of jesus i'm a person who forgives we could say it this way if you're going to follow jesus you're going to have to forgive if you're going to follow jesus you're going to have to forgive we're going to have to learn how to be people who forgive. It's a powerful thing. And then here's the, the second thing that I just want to pull out, talk about for a minute. There was something that um, when you guys started talking in your story about how if it's not honoring God, we don't do it. And if it's not, you know, if, if it's not honoring God, if it's not worshiping God, if it's not, if it's not something that would be beneficial for us in our relationship with God, we just cut it out. We don't do it. We'll turn it off. We'll We'll turn off the music, we'll turn off the song, we'll turn off the show, we'll turn off whatever, because it's not honoring God. And so I want to talk to you for just a minute on, on this topic, our decisions and behavior. Our decisions and behavior. Um, toward the end of that, that testimony, that story, uh, when they're talking about that, anything that, that they do or watch or places that they go, if it doesn't honor the Lord, they won't do it. And I wonder how many of us can say the same in our lives that if it doesn't honor God, I just don't do it. If it's not honoring God, I just won't go there. If it's not honoring God, I, I don't want anything to do with that. I want my life to honor God in every way. I think too often, um, I think too often as believers, we're asking the wrong question. In our society, these are some of the questions that we ask as a Christian. When we think about sin, when we think about what's right and what's wrong, here's, here's some of the things we ask. Well, what's okay? We're constantly, I know I have, and you don't have to raise your hand. You probably wouldn't want to right now. Well, what's okay? You know, I, I'm saved, so what's okay? How, how far can I go? Is it, is it really wrong? How far is too far? Like somebody get me in a counseling session so that I can find out how far is too far? 
how far can I go and still be okay? We'll ask things like, is, is it technically a sin? Is it technically wrong? Is it, and, and here's how I picture it in my mind. It's like there's this line and there's flesh walking according to the spirit, uh, sin, holy living. And, and our tendency a lot of times as, as believers is to try to get as close to that line as we can and still be okay, but I really don't want to surrender all of my life. I want to be as close to the line. And so we're asking questions like, listen, we're asking questions like, what's okay? Like, is one toe okay? Is one, you know, like one foot okay? Like, can I get in this for just a minute and then tomorrow morning I'm going to hop right back over here? Can I kind of dabble in this a little bit, you know, and just know that I can always come back on this side of the line whenever I'm ready to come back on this side of the line. But what is really, is it technically, like if I do that, am I technically over the line or am I like right on the line and I'm still okay with God? We're asking the wrong question. We are, I think, this is a tactic of the enemy. Hey, Eve, did God really say that you, you shouldn't eat from any of the trees? No, that's not what God said. He said that we shouldn't eat from that one tree. Okay, well, God's just holding out on you. And it's okay if you eat from that. God just doesn't want you to be like him, and he knows that you'll be like him. And so if you just kind of stick your toe over that line, you're actually going to know good from evil. You're actually going to know what it's like to be like God. You're actually like God. Is, is, it, re- is, it, o- is it okay? How far is too far? And we're asking the wrong thing. Our perspective and our mentality is heading in the wrong direction. And I want to read you, I want to read you just two verses. And here's my prayer and my hope is that as we look at this and and kind of talk about the context a little bit, talk about how it applies to us, that it would change your perspective. And that it would, as you move forward, your perspective would be shifted on how you behave, the things that you do, the decisions that you make. And here are the verses. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to read 23 and 24. It says, All things are permitted, but not all things are of benefit. All things are permitted, but not all things build people up. No one is to seek his own advantage, but rather that of his neighbor no one is to seek his own advantage now i don't know if you know this or not but you are a and i don't mean this in a derogatory way you are included in the no one that no one you're a no one right i know that sound let me encourage you for just a moment you're you're a no one but in this text no one is to seek their own advantage but to seek the advantage or the benefit or whatever of his neighbor or of the people around him, however you want to word that, whatever your translation says. And it's interesting to me that earlier in this chapter, um, in one of the Bibles I was reading, it was talking about this entire passage was talking about avoiding Israel's mistakes. And so I started looking at, like, okay, what are, you know, what were some of Israel's mistakes? And we know, like, the, you know, the 
cycle that, you know, if you read through the Old Testament, it was like Israel's close to God. They decide they don't need God. They're going to do their own thing. God says, okay, if that's what you want, I'll give that to you. And then they decide this isn't really what we want. And God has mercy on them and he brings them back. And then they serve God and then they decide we don't really need God. And they walk away from God and God says, okay, if that's what you want, then I'll let you do that, and then they decide, oh, this is not like, oh, we're in captivity, oh, we're in bondage, oh, we're slaves, like, oh, we're, you know, like, we need God in our lives. And so there's kind of like this cycle with the people of God. Anybody ever experienced that cycle in your life? Does that sound familiar to anybody in the room? Sometimes we struggle with that. Um, but there was, one, there was one thing, and this verse always has always stuck out to me. And I want to pull this out for just a minute and talk about it. It's in Judges 21, and it's the very, at the very, very, very end of the book of Judges. And this is what it says. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel. So here's what everybody did. Whatever they felt was right for them. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Have you ever just done what was right in your own eyes? Have you ever made decisions or acted a certain way or did something because of what was right in your own eyes? And here's what I feel like the Lord spoke to me, was that when we live like we have no king, we start making stuff up and justifying things in our minds says, in those days there was no king in Israel. And everybody just did what was right in their own eyes. And when we live, and here, here's what you need to know. If you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have a king. And his name is Jesus. You have a Lord, you have a Savior. But when we live like we don't, when we neglect the fact that no, Jesus is actually like, I, I, I should have declared him as Lord of my life. And when I live like he's not, I just start making stuff up. And probably even worse than that, I start justifying things. I start asking the wrong questions. I start trying to figure out like, oh, what's really okay and how far is too far and what... And, God never intended for you to be a follower of Jesus who's constantly trying to ride the line and make sure that you're just like, I, like, I don't want to give it all up, but I'll just stay as close as I can so that I can still technically be a Christian. We have the wrong perspective. We have a complete wrong perspective of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. We begin to justify our actions. We only consider ourselves we end up hurting others and causing other people in our lives to stumble. And Part of the instruction of the person that we, we say and we declare that we're following is that we consider others around us. We consider what we're actually, you know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like guard your heart above all else, talking about your innermost being, because out of it flow the issues of life. One translation says, be careful what you think about because your thoughts run your life. Like what you're, and the way that you do that is you pay attention to what you're letting in. Whatever you keep letting in will keep coming out. And it may take six months. It may take a couple of years. But at some point, what you've been putting in will eventually start to come out of you. 
And so you have to pay attention to what you're allowing in. You've got to pay attention to what you're watching and what you're listening to. And that's why I think what, what they were saying, like, the question isn't, is this wrong? The question is, does this honor God? If I do that, is that going to honor God? If, if I listen to that, is that going to honor God? That may be permissible, but is that going to be beneficial to my walk with the Lord? And a lot of times we're focused on the first half of that verse, but not the second half. Well, grace, you know, like we're not under the law, we're under grace now. St. Paul would also say, don't use your freedom that you've experienced because of God's grace as an excuse to sin and just do whatever you want to do. That's not what grace is for. He says, listen, every, like, it's grace, not law. So all things may be permissible. If you go on and you read the rest of that passage, he starts talking about an example of going with somebody to eat something. And in those days, like food and how it was prepared and, and the blood and all that stuff was a big deal. And he was saying, you don't have to worry about that. Like everything, everything is clean. Like Jesus declared everything clean. And so you can eat, you know, you don't have to worry about what you're eating and, and different things like that in, in that context. But he says, if somebody that's there says, I think that was sacrificed to an idol. You know what he says to do? Not eat it. Not for your sake, but for the sake of the person who's there with you that thinks that it would be wrong. That's like considering other people on another level. That's like walking into every situation thinking, I can't just think about myself. I've got to think about the other people that are here with me. I've got to think about the other people that are around me. I've got to think about the other people that may have, may have a different conviction or they come out of a situation and they've given their life to the Lord, but this is something that I never struggled with, but they struggle with, and because they've struggled with it, I'm going to respect that they've struggled with it, and I'm not even going to go there because out of respect for them, because I'm considering them. Is it wrong? Maybe not. Is it going to affect them? Maybe so I choose not to. I choose not to because I'm considering others above myself. We looked at this. We just went through the book of Ephesians, the entire thing. But back in chapter 2, these couple of verses, I love these, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. As followers of Jesus, we can't just consider ourselves. We have to consider others in our decisions as well. We have to consider other people. And, and two things, I, I wrote them down like this, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. But I think we need to consider other believers around us, and we need to consider unbelievers that are around us. I don't even necessarily think we need to get caught up in one or the other. I think we need to take both into consideration. There may be people around me right now that are also following Jesus, that are also Christians, that this could be a stumbling block for them. And so I'm taking into consideration the people that are around me. We also have to consider our light and our witness to unbelievers in our lives. And if we're making decisions and we're doing things that don't look any different from the life of an unbeliever, could it be, possibly, could it be that we are squashing an opportunity to reach somebody for Jesus 
by doing things or acting ways or whatever that aren't even wrong. But we just have not considered the other party. We have not taken into consideration who and what other people around us. And the word of God in more, place, more places than one says, don't, don't just think about yourself. Think about other people. When you're making that decision, don't just think about yourself. Think about the people around you. Think about the influence that you have on the people around you. And we don't want our decisions to be a stumbling block for other people. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says that everything may be permitted, but it doesn't mean that everything's beneficial. So what if we stopped, can we say it this way, what if we stopped asking if it's permitted and we started asking if it's beneficial? What if we changed our perspective? What if we changed our question? All things may be permitted, but not everything is beneficial. So instead of asking, is this permitted, I'm going to ask, is this beneficial? Is this beneficial for me? Is it beneficial for my walk with the Lord? Is it beneficial for the people around me in my life? I'm going to change my question. Worship team, you can come back and help me. Uh, I was reading some different things on these verses, and one commentary said this on 1 Corinthians 10, 23, and 24. It says, Paul gives the proper balance and understanding of Christian liberty by saying that the exercise of freedom must be tempered and regulated by the principle of love. Paul insists that what is permissible, permissible may not be beneficial or edifying to fellow believers. We're called to seek the good of others, not our own good. Um, can I say something that's pretty direct? Everybody, you nod. Can I say something that's pretty direct? Some of you are like really uncomfortable right now. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. We have to stop justifying our freedom to be able to do things because we're not considering others but only ourselves. We have to start thinking about other people. We have to start seeing the big picture and start asking the right question. Not looking for what, how far is too far, but is this beneficial for my walk with the Lord? The question isn't, is this a sin or something that's technically wrong for me to do? The question should be, is this beneficial for me and my walk with Jesus? The question isn't, is this really crossing a line? The question should be, how is this going to not only affect me, but others around me? And many of us want this question answered about things in life, these three words, is it wrong? Is it wrong? Is it wrong? I've had people ask me, okay, here's what, here's what, here's what I'm thinking, is it wrong? Here's what I think the Bible says, is it wrong? Here's what I'm considering doing, is it wrong? I don't know if I want to give that up, is it wrong? Is it wrong? And we ask, a lot of times we ask, is it wrong? Is it wrong? Is it wrong? And here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. If it's going to negatively impact someone around you or possibly cause someone else to stumble... It's wrong for you to do. I heard a pastor one time, he gave a definition of sin, 
as anything that harms you or another person around you. And he was making this point, if we saw sin, if we thought of sin in our lives as anything that hurts or harms or negatively affects me or other people around me, what would we change? What would we shift? What would we consider doing differently if we were more focused on people around us, not just on ourselves? I'll end with this, um, this statement or these statements. The instruction from the Lord is not to figure out what's okay to do and what's not okay to do and how far is too far to still be considered a Christian. The instruction from the Lord is to lay your life down. And when you lay your life down, you're not trying to justify behavior or decide, is this okay, is that okay, because you're seeking to live for the Lord. You know, there's a, there's a lot that can be resolved by laying your life down and dying to yourself. If you read, we're, a lot of us are familiar with Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And also verse 1. In verse 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And some translations even say, the line after that says, this is your reasonable act of worship. This is your reasonable response to what God has done for you. Your reasonable response is to lay your life down. And to say, as Paul said, it's, not, it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live, I live by the power of him who is in me. He who died for me. He who is working things out in me. He who is, is ministering to people through me. And I just want us to be people. I, I was thinking about this. What would, what would Paris, Texas look like? Or we could say the surrounding area because I know not everybody lives in in Paris. We don't even live in Paris directly. But what would, what would the surrounding area, this area of the world, look like if in everything we did, we considered everybody else? And the world knew that we were disciples by the way that we loved one another in this way. That we considered Everybody else. That if we went to work with the mentality, I'm considering everybody else. In my attitude, I'm considering everybody else. In what I decide to say or how I respond to something, I'm considering everybody else. Because I want them to know the same God that I know. And I'm going to consider everybody else around me. And I'm going to lay, listen, so much would be solved if we would die to ourselves. If we would just die to ourselves. We stand to your feet this morning. I know in, in my life, maybe in yours too, because I, I feel like there are probably quite a few of you that as you've been following the Lord, 
you're making decisions and you're living for Jesus and you're following Jesus. And, and I know in, in my life there have been times where I have felt like the Holy Spirit said, that's not necessarily wrong, but you need to give it up because of the way that it affects other people. Or you need to lay that down because it's not beneficial. It's not helping you. It's not helping you follow me. And so will you just lay it down? Are you willing? Here, here would be my question and then I want to I pray for you. Would you be willing to lay something down if today the Holy Spirit impressed on your heart that's not beneficial for you. That may be permissible, but I'm not asking, is it permissible? I'm asking, is it beneficial? Is it going to benefit other people? And is it going to benefit my walk with the Lord? And would you be willing, would you be willing to give something up? Would you be willing to change an entire part of your lifestyle? If the Holy Spirit today said, if you'll change that, we can be closer. You can tear down a wall between me and you. That doesn't mean that you're not saved. But maybe you've just been asking the wrong question. And today, would you be willing to, as the Bible would say, crucify your flesh so that you can live for the Lord? And I know, I'm, this is hard. It's hard. It's difficult. And for some of you in the room right now, everything inside of you does not want to do it. And I'm not asking you to do it because I asked you to do it. Here's what I would ask you to do. Ask the Lord. Is this area of my life benefiting my relationship with you? Benefiting others around me? Pointing the people around me to you? And then I would ask you to be willing to say, and if it's not, Lord, do you want me to lay that down? Do you want me to change something in my life? Do you want me to shift something? I think that this is one way, too, as the Bible says, to draw close to God and He will draw close to you. I think this is one way that we do that. Sometimes in order to draw closer to the Lord, you have to remove what's in front of you that's keeping you from being able to get there. So I want to invite our prayer team to come down. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want you to ask the Lord, what are you saying to me right now? What are you saying to me right now? And maybe you even want to tell the Lord if you're in this if you're in this place right now and you just say, Lord, I want to honor you. 
I want my life to honor you. So Lord, right now, I just ask you in the stillness of this moment that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would make it ever so clear how you're speaking to us. And Lord, that we would be willing to listen and that we would be willing to put into practice, that we would be willing to obey, that we would not be, that we would not be people that, that Jesus spoke to and he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? we would be willing to listen and we would be willing to do what you say because we trust you and we know that what you have for us is always best it's always best and Lord right now I pray as we sing this last song and we worship and we lift our hands and we lift our voices that if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life anything at all Holy Spirit would you draw them for prayer today in Jesus name Amen